So it's Epiphany was last week, which, as you know, was two years after the birth of Jesus. And today we fast forward 28 years. Maybe for you the week has flown by and you can't believe it's Sunday again. I certainly feel like that sometimes. It's another Sunday, another service to prepare. Uh, but in the last week, we've traveled 28 years through time because we've gone from Epiphany when Jesus was about two and the Magi were visiting the baby Jesus. And because we're in Mark's gospel, especially this year, uh, we, uh, we whiz through an awful lot of Jesus's life because it just isn't written about um, here. And so Jesus is now about 30 years old and we have his baptism. We talked a lot about John the Baptist uh, in Advent, so if you want to know more about John, you can uh, scroll back and find some previous sermons and watch those uh, for a bit more about John the Baptist and what he was up to. Um, but today, uh, we think about Jesus, who was baptized by John. A refresher, John's out there, he's in the wilderness, uh, he's wearing um, funny clothes, uh, it says, uh, clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. This was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I am not worthy to even undo his shoes, says John, talking about Jesus who is going to be coming. He says, verse 8, Mark 1, I will baptize you with water, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then we fast forward to Jesus coming to be baptized. At that time, the start of his ministry here in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus, verse 9, came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. So we've had John who has just told us a couple of verses ago that he isn't even worthy to stoop down and untie his shoes. That would have been the job of a servant. So he was effectively saying, I'm, I can't even do that because Jesus is too important, too special. And he says that the baptism Jesus will bring is different. I baptize you with water, says John. Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And yet we get Jesus coming to John to be baptized. There's more about this in, uh, in Matthew's gospel. Uh, as ever in Mark, uh, it's very short, very to the point, and we don't get a lot of detail. And so Jesus is baptized by John. Just as Jesus, verse 10, is coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And we get this great Trinitarian moment, a moment that echoes the start of Genesis, where God the Father is creating and the Word and the Spirit are there at the same time. We hear about that too at the start of John's Gospel, where in the beginning is used, uh, reflecting back to Genesis. And so here we have this moment where the great Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Spirit are here in this verse. Jesus comes up out of the water, having been fully immersed in the River Jordan for his baptism by John. He comes up and down comes 
the Spirit. And a voice is heard from heaven, and we don't know exactly who hears the voice. Is it just John that hears the voice? And it ends up being recorded here in the gospel. Were there others there who heard the voice? And the voice, like something out of a movie. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Uh, At this moment, for all to hear, it is the voice of God saying that this is Jesus. This is his son, his son who he loves. So we see the father, or hear the father in terms of his voice coming from heaven. We see the spirit descending. The image of a dove is often used for the spirit, of uh, the dove coming down um, and the spirit on Jesus. And so one of the questions I have, and perhaps you might have this too, is, well, why did Jesus have to be baptized? Why did Jesus have to be baptized when he's already the Son of God? We see baptism at the start of the journey. We see water as a symbol of new beginning. Uh, out of, um, out of the water can come new life. As we're born as people, we come out of water. We spend time in the womb in water, uh, and so it's quite natural to have a water birth. Um, one of my children was born that way, um, and uh, maybe you know people too who were, who were born in the water. Um, and there's something about water and baptism symbolically using water that symbolizes new birth. I remember a number of years ago when, uh, when I was, um, I've forgotten how old I was now, but it was a number of years ago, and I, I ran uh, the London Marathon. And near the start of the London Marathon, I was running past a church. There were quite a number of churches, so I couldn't tell you which one it was, but it was about two miles in, and um, we were about two miles into the race, and there was a priest wearing um, lots of robes and vestments outside in the heat of the day, um, and had um, uh, one of those things that you can, you can spray. Uh, we were discussing this morning exactly what they're called and how to spell them. Um, so if, if you know the exact word, then uh, I'm not gonna say it. You can put it in the comments and see if you know what it's called. But one of those things, and he was dipping them into what was, I guess, some blessed holy water and spraying them over the runners as we were running. And ordinarily, if someone was standing in, the street of London, in a street in London and spraying you with water, uh, you probably would want to get your own water gun and squirt them back or something. But uh, there was a great symbolism. I'm not sure how many of the runners got the symbolism. Uh, but to me, having taken a Sunday off work to go run the London Marathon, uh, I just found that symbolism was so profound. Here I am at the start of my journey, or two miles in, to a 26-mile run, and I'm being sprayed with water that reminds me of baptism. Reminds me of my baptism, and ties, uh, because of my baptism and, and because of that water, it ties me into the whole history of God's people, and of all the other Christians who also have been baptized. And so in Jesus being baptized, he shows us Uh, what we're to do as we uh, set out our journey of faith. Some get baptized very young, 
Uh, and, and the baptism is based on the faith of their parents. Uh, that's one of the traditions we have in the Anglican Church, and uh, most other uh, Christians around the world will uh, baptize babies uh, numerically. Uh, and then other Christians say, well, it's better to wait until they're older. In the Anglican Church, um, as ever, the answer is both and, so we baptize both babies and adults if they hadn't yet been baptized. Um, and so um, the baptism that we see Jesus being part of, uh, it, it, ties, it ties into us because as we're baptized, uh, we follow in Jesus' footsteps. It's a marker of being in the same family in the way that circumcision was, was a marker uh, in the Old Testament. We are in the family. And Jesus was baptized too. There wasn't anything um, that, that Jesus didn't do. He lived a human life with all its highs and its lows. And that began with this significant moment where um, he steps down to be baptized by John. And so I'm going to jump to the other reading, which was Acts, and pick up the story there where we see Paul, uh, and he's been on a journey, he's on the way to um, Ephesus. So he takes a road, this is Acts 19 verse 1, takes a road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus, and there it says he found some disciples. Interesting use of the word disciples here, because um, what we go on to read tells us that they probably aren't disciples of Jesus. They may well be disciples of John. Disciple means follower. So if someone's a disciple, it doesn't necessarily mean they're a disciple of Jesus, although when we hear the word disciple, that's what we think. Uh, so here he is. Um, Paul is in Ephesus, and he finds some disciples, and he says, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, presumably, there was some doubt in his mind. Uh, hence, he asked the question of them. He's a bit dubious about who they're disciples of, and he's dubious as to whether they've received the Holy Spirit. And so they answer, no, we have not even heard that there is the Holy Spirit. So Paul questions, what baptism did you receive if you didn't even know there's a Holy Spirit? And as a Christian, uh, when we're baptized, we receive the Holy Spirit. We're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as per uh, the end of Matthew's Gospel. Uh, that's, that's how we're baptized. So how is it that they haven't heard of the Holy Spirit? Which baptism did you receive? They said, well, we received John's baptism. John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, but John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, who is Jesus. On hearing this, it says, they then were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So clearly, uh, what's happened here is, is Paul's found these, these folks, says later there are 12 of them. That's not particularly significant. It just tells us there happened to be 12 of them in all. So he finds them. Uh, he's not sure about whether they uh, really are Christians, whether they're baptized in the name of Jesus. And when he finds that they're not, he tells them about Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and they say, okay, that's the baptism we want. Because John, as he said uh, back there in Mark 1, 
um, verse 7 and 8. He was there to prepare the way for Jesus. The baptism of repentance, as we uh, repent in the confession at the start of our service, it's a sense of preparing for what is to come. We prepare to meet with Jesus by preparing our hearts in confession. And so John prepared them through uh, a baptism of repentance. Uh, that didn't mean that the baptism didn't do anything, uh, it didn't have a purpose. But now, says Paul, that repentance isn't enough. You don't just have to repent in your baptism. Now when you're baptized, you receive the Holy Spirit because of Jesus. So this may make some people wonder. I'm often asked, well, can we be baptized more than once? I was baptized as a baby. I didn't believe anything at that point. And now I've come to be an adult. And, uh, you know, I, I want to make those promises for myself. Can I go be baptized? Um, and uh, um, my answer would be, I suspect if you're asking that question, uh, your baptism the first time worked. Your baptism worked. Because if you were baptized as a baby and come to faith later, it shows that that seal that was put on you as a baby um, has uh, that, that life that you were committed into as a member of the people of God has come to be. And so often we see that uh, with people as they go through life, they begin to rediscover uh, their baptism almost afresh. Here where Paul um, is, is baptizing them again, it's, it's, not a, it's not a baptism as we would call it again because the first baptism uh, wasn't a baptism in the name of Jesus. So Paul places his hands on them and the Holy Spirit, verse 6, it says, came on them and they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. Why does Paul place his hands on them? Well, there's a sign in placing a hand. There's a sign of fellowship. Uh, there's a sign, um, a, a symbolism. We talk about sacraments in the church, um, which are described uh, as um, an outward and visible sign of an inward and invisible grace. In other words, we do something uh, physical, some kind of action to symbolize what's going on inside. And so Paul places his hands on them and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And they happen to speak in tongues and prophesy. Uh, why is that significant? Well, it's probably significant here because speaking in tongues and prophesying, they're two of the kind of spiritual gifts that we see that are quite dramatic. If someone is given the spiritual gift of administration, you don't tend to see it instantly. But if someone receives the gift of tongues and they start using that gift, uh, you can notice it straight away. So I suspect that what's going on here is, um, is this, this is happening so that they can, uh, they can really see that um, the baptism they had from John, the baptism of repentance, while significant, that was not a baptism in Jesus. And now they're being baptized in the name of Jesus. They receive the Holy Spirit and something demonstrable uh, happens to help them realize, okay, this is different now. Does this mean that when we're baptized, we'll always uh, speak in tongues and uh, prophesy? No, it doesn't. Uh, many people uh, don't have those gifts and never do. Uh, but it, sometimes God gives specific gifts uh, in order to um, help people uh, understand more of him and and to know more of Jesus.
And so, what about us? Well, if baptism's good enough for Jesus, then baptism is good enough for us. If you're not baptized and you're interested in baptism, then I want to sow that seed today and have you think about it. And uh, at the moment, because of COVID restrictions, we, uh, we are limited to a baptism of about 10 people in the room. But if you have a, a, um, a burning um, a heart that says, I'd love to get baptized now, um, then get in touch and we'll do our best to, to make that happen um, with, with, uh, within the limits that we can. I'd say you could wait until COVID's over, but um, I think that could be a while, um, so you may just want to get on with it now. As we're baptized, uh, we believe that we receive the gift, that we receive the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian and you're baptized, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. As we see Jesus being baptized, he shows us the pattern. He shows us the way that we can be. He leads the way that we can follow. For these disciples of John, who Paul encounters in Ephesus, uh, the revelation of who Jesus is, of the Holy Spirit, this, this part of the faith that they were missing out on. They hear about that and they choose to respond. And sometimes for us, we can know the Holy Spirit exists, we can talk about the Holy Spirit, we can sing about the Holy Spirit, but we don't sense the Holy Spirit is with us. Maybe there are moments in our faith journey when we do sense the Spirit really strongly. And then there are other times when we perhaps wonder if the Spirit has gone and left us. I'm going to finish this morning with a prayer. I just invite you where you are to close your eyes and hold out your hands. Uh, this is just as a way of a, a sign that you're ready to receive. I'm going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come and fill you afresh this morning. This may be for the first time, it may be once again. Some people experience the Spirit as, as a, calm, um, a calm sort of feeling. For other people, it feels like this, this rush of wind. All sorts of different things for another sermon, another day. But before I pray, I just want to say, however God wants to give you His Spirit this morning and refresh you in His Spirit this morning, uh, it will be different for different folks, but all of them are equally valid. So let's close our eyes and pray. Holy Spirit, would you come and fall afresh upon us this day? As we perhaps remember our baptism, as we remember the promises we made or were made for us, we ask you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, Come, Holy Spirit. And just as I pray this morning, I get the sense there are some uh, who as, uh, are feeling very um, burdened and 
would appreciate just, just knowing the Spirit in, in a way that gives joy, and maybe even laughter. So it may sound odd, and if it's not God, then it's just me uh, not having had enough coffee this morning, but if it is God and this is for someone, then there we go, and I'm going to say it. So, Father, we pray. If there are folks who uh, this morning are, are watching and really feel um, uh, disheartened and have forgotten what it's like to be full of joy. I pray now that you would release in them the spirit of joy and the gift of laughter. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.